Hey friends, this is Pastor Elizabeth, and you're listening to the Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear the fourth sermon in our series called Committed to Faith, in which we remember that Paul said the body of Christ is made up of many different parts, each one essential to the body's functioning. And we ask ourselves how we are called to offer service for the common good. I hope that while you're listening, you might hear something that draws you closer to the heart of God. Here we go. At the beginning of 2020, before we knew anything about the pandemic that was to come, in preparation for a sermon series I preached on the holiness of our bodies, I read Bill Bryson's book, The Body, A Guide for Occupants. And as is typical for Bryson, the 450 pages he wrote on the various systems of the human body were much more interesting and engaging than my high school anatomy textbook. And they reminded me of the wonders of the body that we often ignore or take for granted until they malfunction and scream at us. All those joints working perfectly to help us move, our bone marrow constantly making millions of red blood cells, our lungs inhaling and exhaling without our thinking anything about it, our brows and lashes keeping things out of our sensitive eyes, our incredible skin holding it all together. If we were to think about all the systems of the body all the time, it would be all we could think about because there's so much going on, so much working perfectly in tandem all the time. And I wonder if we don't sometimes also forget how amazing and complex the body of Christ is. Because when it is working smoothly, it too is just like breathing. It just happens without our thinking too much about it. Like in the human body, we tend to honor or at least notice certain gifts and not others. We may not notice that someone straightened the chairs in the sanctuary so you could sit right next to your friend without your coat getting snagged on the little hooks in between the seats. Surely we know that someone is sitting at a computer live streaming the worship service on Sunday mornings, but we don't often think much about the folks who installed the systems or who maintain the internet connections, who upgrade the networks. We may not pay much attention to the folks who balance the checkbook or sign contracts with the landscapers. It might not even occur to us that we have landscapers in the body of Christ, because we often focus so much on what happens front and center here on Sunday mornings. But that's like focusing only on our faces when it takes whole bodies to thrive. There's so much more going on than meets the eye. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that the body of Christ is like the human body. And in his time, he may not have known just how complex the human body is. Perhaps he didn't understand that we have 206 bones and 639 muscles and 22 square feet of skin, plus ligaments and arteries and tendons and blood and fat and hair. Perhaps he didn't know exactly how the digestive system works to extract nutrients from our foods and eliminate waste, or how the immune system fights infections. But he sure knew something incredible was happening with each breath. 
And he said, that's what the body of Christ is like too. That's what the church is like. We may overlook or take for granted the intricate detail of each part working together. But without all of us, Paul knew the body would fall apart. And maybe we've heard this reading from 1 Corinthians enough times that it has started to feel a little like the teacher voice on the Charlie Brown movies. All wah, wah, wah. (laughs) Or perhaps it's our first time hearing it, and it just doesn't really resonate. Or maybe it feels nonsensical or unhelpful to imagine the eye telling the foot that it can get lost, or the ear looking down on itself because it is not a nose. Of course, we know that the arteries would never say, I'm not really into blood anymore. I'm going to try something else. That's absurd. And yet, we do this very thing, dismissing others because they're different from us, looking down on ourselves because we are different than those we admire or those who have been named admirable by our communities or our culture, and dismissing our own gifts when they don't seem to be all that attractive. We try to be things we're not, or we try not to participate at all. Or we try to be the whole body when we are just one part. But if we're willing to give it a chance, Paul's metaphor makes a lot of sense for the church. Because we are both individuals and community. We are ourselves the unique persons God knit together in a million parts, each with particular gifts. And when we emerge from the waters of baptism, we are also intricately connected with each other. We are distinct, and yet we are tethered. The eye doesn't stop being the eye because it's in the body, and none of us stops being ourselves because we are in community. And yet the body needs the eye to see, not to hear or feel or taste, And in the same way, the church needs every person to do their thing, to use their gifts, not to be everything and not to be anything other than who we were created to be. Now, if you go to the religion section of any bookstore, almost all the books you find on the Christian spirituality shelves will suggest that religion is a private venture something that happens in your own head and heart, something that you practice on your own in a quiet room somewhere without anyone else. It's nobody else's business but yours. No one else can do it for you. You don't need anything but you and God and this latest book to grow in your faith. But we know that we were created by God to live in community, not to do faith on our own, where we can make God into an idol of our own choosing and no one will correct us. Not to ask questions that don't seem to have answers with no one to encourage us or to share their own insights. Not to practice only when it's comfortable, but to be pushed by those who know we can do and be more. We're called to be in this together, to do faith together, to live our lives together giving and receiving in particular ways with this oddball gathering of people, some of whom we will admire greatly and others of whom will repeatedly get on our nerves. 
And Paul says not only that living in community like this is one of the primary signs that we are living the abundant life that Christ wants for us, but also that we need each other, each and every one. And we may not be able to name our place in the body of Christ as easily as we can name our fingers and our knees in the human body. Maybe we aren't sure yet what our gifts are or what we have to offer this community. But surely we can understand how each part needs all the others. How we can all contribute. How when one suffers, we all suffer. And when one rejoices, we all rejoice. Surely we can understand that everything here is connected, that we need each other in good times and in bad, in joy and in sorrow, in tension and in tranquility. That this is a body in which each of us belongs, a family, a community, where we don't cease to exist as individuals when we join, but we are fundamentally changed by our belonging. And there may be tension here because some folks want to belong without participating. I'm sure you've read those obituaries that say so-and-so was a lifelong member of the Third Baptist Church. And perhaps you've read one in which the church listed as your church, and you've never heard of so-and-so. Or you mention uh, something about your church to your neighbor, and they say, oh, we go there too. And you think, really? Why have I never seen you? We know without needing any explanation that that's not how the body works. 1 Corinthians tells us there's no such thing as belonging without participating. The body doesn't work if part of it checks out for a little while or decides to do something else for a few weeks or a few years or a lifetime. The rest of the body will suffer because that part isn't doing its job, just like your physical body will suffer if you lose an organ Maybe you can adapt, sure, but it will never be the same. It's equally true that some parts want to take over the body and give without ever receiving. Some parts want to do everything. The eye is fine with seeing, but it also wants to smell. Or the hands want to be feet, too. And sometimes in the church, this is a result of the need to control, or sometimes it's because someone doesn't know how to let others help. But often it's simply that some of us are observant about what's missing. Some of us see more clearly which parts haven't been showing up, and we overfunction to try to make up for others' lack of participation. That isn't a healthy body either. It generally results in otherwise effective parts of the body experiencing burnout, giving until they have nothing left to give or holding on to roles that do not belong to them so tightly and for so long that when people with other gifts show up, there's nothing left for them to do. And in our world in which we so highly value independence and autonomy, maybe it feels weird or even backward to think about needing each other in this way, only being able to do little parts of what the community needs to thrive. But that's precisely how God designed us, each to do our part, with no one contributing nothing and no one doing everything. No one here has every gift the church needs, not even our incredible staff. 
No one here has all the experiences and relationships that are necessary for a thriving community. But God calls us together, calls us to serve, so that together we have what it takes to thrive. I know that when the pandemic made the world shut down, most of us had to radically change the way we were living. And many of us had to simplify and cut down and really just focus on getting through each day. At the same time, church programs were abruptly canceled or moved online, and there weren't many ways to contribute for a while. So some of us have gotten out of the habit of volunteering, and others are brand new to this community and have never known how to get involved. But as we move into the next chapter, as we emerge from the last two years stronger and more focused on the things that really matter, it's time for all of us to reevaluate how we're contributing to this community, how God is calling us to serve, to be more like Jesus. For some of us, that means starting at the very beginning, just beginning to gather information on ways to volunteer in ministries that sound interesting to us. For some of us, that will mean stepping into a leadership position. Some of us may be over-functioning, and it's time to discern what God is calling us to do and trusting that someone else will fill in the gaps. But there's no way that this church can grow and thrive without everyone's contribution, without everyone serving as God calls us to serve. So I invite you now to look at your commitment cards for today and mark the areas of ministry in which you might be called to serve. Note that this is not a sign-up list, and you're not committing to a three-year term on a committee of any sort by selecting one of these areas, but it will help us to know how to connect you to ways that you can use your gifts, and the rest of the community can receive them in gratitude. If you're already serving in one of these areas, you can note that on your card. Or if there's something specific that you know God is calling you to do, write that down too. But either way, I invite you now to take some time to discern how God is calling you to serve in this community in the coming year. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Faith Church Podcast. If what you heard was meaningful to you, please share this podcast with a friend. If you have any questions, or if we can support you on your spiritual journey in some way, don't hesitate to reach out through our website at www.faithunited.org. Tune in next week as we finish up this series with a look at what it means to witness to our faith in this day and culture. Until then, take care.